Hi Angels. If you've ever wondered what makes you special, what makes you the unique, magical being that you are, we've created something for you. The Soul Guide is a map of your being. It's a magical blueprint that illuminates why your soul chose to be here, now, at the birth and the dawn of the Aquarian Age. Each soul guide is roughly 70 to 80 pages in length, and it's individually created based on your unique astrology and design. This guide can't be replicated because your birth chart won't be recreated for thousands and thousands of years. Each guide is as rare and as magical as you. To order yours, go to www.thecosmiclaundry.com and use code COSMICPODCAST for 20% off today. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Cosmic Laundry Podcast, a place where we explore modern spirituality in all of its forms. I'm your host, Giselle Plamondon, and I'm here to guide you on your journey into learning more about your soul's path. I am a social worker, astrologer, and human design guide, and I love to share new ideas, new information, and deeper wisdom with you all, especially as I'm on this path and learning everything with you by your side. So join me every Friday as I open space and explore topics and ideas that will support you in understanding yourself and the world better. We're just going to start recording and then we'll, I don't know, see what happens. Fuck around and find out. Fuck around and find out. You want to put that in the middle? Yeah. So I don't have to yell at you? Yeah. yeah. Can you try to not mumble rap today? Oh, that's who I am. <laughs> no more mumble rapping, yeah, Quavo. I do about it. That's just how I am. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna, I really do need to get you a Britney mic. I know. Yeah. Um, okay. So... I want to talk about the seven feminine archetypes because we have that workshop coming up, which I'm really excited about. When is it? November 19th and 20th. Day after my birthday. I know. Hopefully, maybe you can come to Hawaii for it. Maybe. That'd be nice. That would be cool. Yeah. Okay. So there are seven. Okay. And these, there's something I want to caveat with this because there are probably actually hundreds of different feminine archetypes. It's just that these seven are ones that seem to be really prominent and really active in women, and most women have the ability to access these. The other reason that I'm using like the Greek gods and, and like the Roman gods and goddesses is, I mean, there's a few reasons. One, the woman who I learned all of this from um, Jean Shinoda Bolin, that's the system that she used. And then two, I think the Greek goddesses are really interesting in that they lived in a patriarchy in the same way that women now live in a patriarchy. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot in common with them. Whereas some of these other goddesses that are older and more ancient, like the great Mm -hmm. mother, we like that was during a time of, of matriarchal lineage. And so, um, yeah, those aspects of us are still there, but those goddesses didn't live in a patriarchy like we do. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yeah. 
Okay, so do you remember which of the two goddess archetypes you resonated with? I was actually surprised that you said uh, Vesta, the mystic. But when I thought about it, it made sense. And when we start to go through the seven different archetypes, mm-hmm. I think it'll make sense. Well, so <coughs> you're supposed to pick what you identify with most. Is it in your birth chart or in your astrology itself? Kind of. So actually, let me pull up your birth chart. So some of them okay, wait, are. First, let's say the ones okay. that I identify with and see if it's in my chart. <laughs> okay, so. Okay, it was what, the Vesta? yes and artemis so this is the thing vesta yes we can find her in your chart artemis Mm -hmm. not really Mm -hmm. so um first of all what are the names of the seven types so like i know you use a bunch of different names you know like almost like three different interchangeably yes so it sometimes it's confusing but there is vesta or sometimes she's called hesia if i'm using the greek language Mm -hmm. um uh, the Greek languaging, um, and she is the mystic. Okay, mm-hmm. there's Aphrodite or Venus, which is the lover. There's Persephone or Proserpina, which is the maiden. There's Ceres or Demeter, which is the mother. There's Hera or Juno, which is the queen. There is Pallas or Pallas Athena, um, or no, sorry, Pallas Athena or Athena, which is the sage, and then there is Artemis or Diana, which is the huntress, Mm -hmm. and they all represent different aspects. Um, So Ceres, uh, Vesta, Juno, and uh, Pallas Athena, as well as Venus, can Mm -hmm. be found in the chart, so five out of the seven, but Persephone and Artemis, they do have asteroids. Like, I could technically look up where the asteroid Artemis or the asteroid Persephone shows up in your birth chart, but they play a much smaller role in astrology than the the first four Mm -hmm. archetypes. Um, So that's why I always just recommend that people, like, yes, we want to look at your astrology and see what's there because there will be overlap for sure, but... They're also, um, like, for example, I resonate really heavily with Persephone, right? But she's mm-hmm. not necessarily in my birth chart. Mm-hmm. So I think self-study and, and self-knowing is important, too. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to look at yours. <laughs> I've actually never looked at the goddess asteroids in your chart. <laughs> this is, like, you. new for me. Stan, offended. <laughs> you didn't even know what these were like three minutes ago. Exactly. Ceres, Pallas, Juno, Vesta. All right. Show the chart. Okay, so. You have. You know what? None of them are really, like, powerfully indicated in your chart. So this is why, again, this is my theory on this. I don't know if this is really true or not. I think that when um, when these goddesses are aspected in your chart, there's a story you have to play out in alignment with that goddess. 
but it doesn't necessarily mean that that goddess will be the one that is the most active in your psyche so for example i actually have my strongest goddess connection in my birth chart is ceres which is the mother and it shows up in my early childhood life and with my moon so that indicates early childhood experiences of having to take care of siblings Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but i don't naturally aligned with the archetype of the mother i'm not a natural series woman i have some of those capacities because of some of the experiences i've had so i think that understanding the astrology of it is really helpful for knowing at what points in your life these different archetypes will be activated but i haven't personally found in working with clients that it's more accurate than their self-assessment of which ones are are them. Mm-hmm. That makes which sense. Which one they identify with more? Yeah. Yeah. So then, by <clears> saying <throat> that they're not like heavily in my chart, are you saying that like there's no presence of them at all, or like no, they're not- there. Mm-hmm. It's just um. So when I'm looking at someone's chart to see if they're really deeply influenced by the story of one of these goddesses, I'm looking to see if they have a really close connection with either the sun, the moon, or any of the four points. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you have all of these goddesses and you have your own goddess stories and Mm -hmm. those are the parts that we cover in the soul guide, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have like Juno and Virgo or Juno in the sixth house. Everybody has these goddesses in their chart and they'll show up in different ways. But when you have them say like conjunct your rising sign or conjunct your sun, or for me in my case, conjunct your moon, there is a really important story that has to play out with that goddess. Does that make okay, sense? that's cool. That's yes. cute. I like that. Yeah. So everyone has access to them. And I also think, too, when we go through these seven archetypes, it's really important to remember that we want to have the ability to do all seven. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're going to have one or two that are more comfortable to you, and that's your home base. But in order to feel fulfilled in life you want to be able to maybe not do all seven but there's three different categories and you want to be able to do one of each category and what are the that three makes categories? sense we'll go into that okay. um the other thing the reason that i really like this is because i don't know are you on like feminine energy tiktok or feminine energy no i'm um, on frog tiktok <laughs> Get frog tiktok yeah just frogs drinking bush light and- <laughs> Hanging out on a tractor. Yeah. Okay. It's a problem. <laughs> yeah, that is a problem. Yeah, a lot of frogs. That makes sense why you send TikTok, me though. so much frog oh content. My God. Frogs and cowboy hats? I hate frogs it. Frogs riding dogs. I don't like that's, it that's at all. That's my favorite TikTok. I scroll right past those when you send those to me. <laughs> um, okay, no, so. No, not really because I like to avoid TikToks that uh, make me think. <laughs> I want TikToks to stop me from thinking That's and fair. frogs on dogs. It's That's pretty distracting. That is very distracting. It's true. So I no brain cells energy. needed to yeah, compute what's exactly. going on there. And I don't have to reflect on myself. You know, and like do any work on myself. Yeah, I can that's just blame fair. it on the frogs distracting me. <laughs> I get that. So, no, I'm uh, not. You're not on it. Okay, no. <laughs> so feminine energy teachings have blown up in the last like year or so, mm-hmm. and I personally love feminine energy teachings because they changed my life in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like I started working with like feminine energy probably like five or six years ago and I'm a totally different person but one of the reasons that a lot of these feminine energy teachings work for me is because I am very naturally aligned with the archetypes that these people are teaching but one of the things that I think about all the time is that 
those aren't like the lover and the maiden which is normally what we teach when we teach feminine energy are those two qualities um those aren't the only ways to be a woman and what i see is that a lot of people trying to become more lover-like or trying to become more maiden-like because Mm -hmm. those energies are becoming really mainstream so Mm -hmm. like the maiden would be like soft girl energy Mm -hmm. like the princess aesthetic that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and then the lover is like the siren or the creative um, where they talk about the dark feminine and light feminine yeah because i see a lot about like i guess i do on tiktok see the dark feminine light Mm -hmm. feminine and um women switching from or thinking that dark feminine is bad and Mm -hmm. that they're not going to get the type of man they want or the type of life they want or the type of career they want if they're in dark feminine Mm. and so they try to like switch to light feminine yeah yeah and I would say like dark feminine is um it's more Lilith energy which we're not really talking about today but yeah it's it's that thing of like oh there's one way to be a, a feminine woman so there's only one flavor of the feminine and that's to be open and receptive and soft which is just not true Mm -hmm. there's actually seven different ways from this perspective from Mm -hmm. this angle maybe I would say eight because you could add in Lilith Mm -hmm. but um, my brain is like going a thousand miles a minute because I'm like actually each of these seven archetypes could have a light expression and a dark expression Mm, I like that they could have a light feminine and a dark feminine even if you read the descriptions and whatnot and go through descriptions you know some things are light some are dark yeah so it's more like um what's the mm. it's not the emotions (laughs) it's not the a spectrum that's my motion That's my motion for a spectrum. That's my motion for a sub subway sandwich. (laughs) I wish we were video recording this. That'd be (laughs) funny. Um, Okay, so enough preamble. Let's just get into what the seven archetypes are. Are you ready? Yes. You ready? Hit me with it. Hit me with it. Okay, so first, there's three different categories. The first are the virgin goddesses. Uh, the second are vulnerable goddesses, and the third is the alchemical goddess. So, and this is based on the system from Jean Shinoda Bolin. She's the one that that came up with all of this. Mm-hmm. She's a psychiatrist, I think, or she might be a psychologist, but she's works in counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, and she came up with this in the seventies. So, the vulnerable, or no, let's start with the virgin goddesses. Virgin doesn't mean they don't have sex. Virgin just just means that they are sovereign and that their lives are for them. So virgin goddesses live their lives for them. They're focused on... I'm going to be dead. (laughs) Yeah, you are one of them. Uh, Both of yours actually are virgin, (laughs) so that makes sense. Um, Virgin goddesses are the goddesses whose stories and their mythology um, wasn't intertwined or intertangled with men in a way that harmed them. Um, like that harmed men or harmed the women? Harm the women. Okay. So virgin goddesses are usually very goal-oriented. They're very directed um, towards whatever it is that they want to achieve, and they're not necessarily as focused on relationships with other people. Mm. As a, it's a so group. interesting. That is not what you would think of when you hear virgin goddesses. I know. I know. It's funny. Um, but virgin, really, it just means sovereign Mm. whole unto their own and then in so in the virgin goddesses we have we'll actually go through them that way so Mm. um we start with um let's start with artemis or diana the huntress Mm -hmm. so she is the archetype of the 
tomboy in a way. So this makes sense why you <laughs> resonate with that archetype. She um, really represents a woman's capacity for freedom, independence, and um, competition. So Artemis women are, maybe let's even back up a bit to her mythology. So Artemis was the goddess of childbirth and fertility. Um, maybe not fertility as much, that might be more Hera, but she was the, the goddess that was the protector of women and the young. So she did preside over childbirth and she presided over any, you know, area of life where a woman might need protection. Um, she also had really deep relationships with men, but as an equal. So um, she had a brother that she was really, really close with. They were like tight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was kind of like a guy's girl. She was an archer. She was very competitive. She like um, lived in the woods. Like she was a woman of the woods, a very like wild woman, free spirit. And so what you see with Artemis women is that they're very, it's this ironic thing where they're very protective of women and children and animals. They love animals. They're very protective of anyone who is like vulnerable, but they're also very um, capable in like, like they're not soft in mm-hmm. the way that you would think. Um, they're very capable in a man's world and they can really hold their own and they see themselves as equals to men. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is your classic, like your cool girl, your guy's girl, the girl that like can hang out with men as an equal and also can like challenge them in a way. Mm -hmm. So Artemis women tend to attract partners that like really bow down to them and adore them and like see themselves as equals and see themselves as like, um, usually it's men who are like looking for an adventure partner or looking for, um, someone that's going to like inspire them and excite Mm -hmm. them because Artemis women do tend to be very exciting and they live very exciting lives. When you see a woman that's really into like hiking, spending time in nature, mountaineering, rock climbing, or like anything like that, Mm -hmm. there's usually a really strong Artemis present. Um, Other ways that the Artemis archetype can show up is in um, women's circles and connection with women. And usually Artemis women um, will also just really love to take care of other women, especially younger women, mm-hmm. um, or animals or nature or whatever. But there's an energy with Artemis of being an independent free spirit. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want to be her. Yeah, you are her. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's like a, a brief overview. There's obviously a lot more. Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions? No, she sounds cool. She sounds badass. She is. She's very cool. Um, Her story is really cool. I also recommend that people learn more about the mythology because you'll Mm -hmm. learn more about yourself through, oh, that's my archetype. That's the one Mm -hmm. I have activated. And then you listen to the myths or you read the stories and you're like, oh, I had something similar to that happen to me. Mm -hmm. It's really wild, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so we have Artemis. She would be like, if we're going to talk about them in like, relationship wise she's like the brother sister you know like that that the brother's sister the sister in a way does that make sense the brother's sister <laughs> yeah you'll, you'll like because athena is like the father's daughter okay. that's what you know what i mean yeah. so if you want to think about it artemis are 
are women who usually um, can have a tight relationship with men. They also can be very cruel to men. That's another, that's the dark feminine (laughs) side of it. They can be very nasty with men. That's their toxic trait. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah. Okay, so then um, we have uh, Pallas Athene or Athena. Her mythology is so hard for me to talk about because there's so much to it and she's such a deep and intricate and interesting uh, goddess. She mm-hmm. actually can be split into three different goddesses. But for the sake of archetype, I think it's really, it's just better to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. So um, she is the father's daughter. So her story is that one of her stories is that she didn't have a mom, that Zeus actually birthed her from his head. She like <laughs> popped out of his forehead that's impressive Zeus (laughs) yeah yeah so she really represents the sage is her archetype so she's wise she's very intelligent very smart Athena represents a woman's capacity to combine intuition and logic intuition and intellect so in uh mythology Athena was really like this um oracle she was very prophetic she um, had a lot of gifts for being able to see, but she also was a strategist. She was one of the best war strategists, one of the the top people kind of in the military, and she was known for having armor, like wearing armor. Mm-hmm. And so how that shows up in modern life is um, Athena women tend to be women who try to uh, navigate the patriarchy by understanding it and fitting into it. So... Um, Sometimes they'll go into like politics or business. Sometimes this is the girl boss archetype. Mm -hmm. It's like the woman that's like, oh, anything a man can do, I can do it better. Mm -hmm. That kind of energy. Um, And in a sense, sometimes, not always, but sometimes Athena women will actually uphold the patriarchy because they're living in such a, like they're so patriarchal themselves that Mm -hmm. they align with it. So when you see women like, Tommy Lauren do you know who she is she's uh what is she she's like a a newscaster a news host in the states (laughs) and she um is constantly like upholding certain patriarchal things what do you mean in a positive way or a negative way in a negative way so Mm -hmm. there's positives and negatives so the positive of of Pallas Athene is that she's fucking smart like Mm -hmm. her capacity for just reaching her goals getting to where she wants to go like these are the women that are like i'm going to law school i'm gonna do it i'm getting my phd i'm gonna do it like when they set their eyes on a goal like Mm -hmm. they achieve it and they're very very smart if these women are also tapped into other archetypes like the mystic they're also highly intuitive and very prophetic and usually psychic but not always Mm -hmm. so again like you kind of have to look at the interplay of the different goddesses Mm -hmm. but the the palace athene woman is um she's really capable of making it in a man's world she's really capable of like using her gifts and her wisdom and her intellect to um create a lot of success for herself these are very successful people typically Mm -hmm. The, the downside of her energy is that she's usually, if she only has Athena connected, mm-hmm. um, very cut off from her feminine energy, yeah, from her softness. Sense. She's very guarded, right? Like literally has is mm-hmm. wearing armor. Kind of like internalized misogyny. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they can be a little bit 
cold if they don't uh, develop or adopt some traits from the other uh, goddesses. But she sounds scary. <laughs> she's not. She's just um, very self-focused. She's very focused on her goals. She's very analytical. Yeah, she can be. Um, these are the women too that tend to have like Artemis women yes tend to get along with men really well but men also really love Athena woman Mm -hmm. women in a sense of like she gets me she like sees my point of view those kinds Mm -hmm. of things um and they tend to align themselves with men particularly powerful men Mm -hmm. so Athena women often will want the man that's like the politician or that you know whatever they want to these are like the Jackie Kennedys Mm -hmm. you know these are girls that say uh they only have male friendships because women are too yes, dramatic. Yes, this is exactly mm-hmm. those. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <chicks> yes. <laughs> Unless they have other archetypes activated. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can later in life, like, have those archetypes activated. Yes. You know, like, if you find a kid who's 17, they might, you know, she's, yes. like, pretending to be the guy's girl or, like, completely shuts off to a lot of feminine things. So yes. could maybe just be in yes. Athena and then later on in life, you know, ends up more transitioning. Yeah. Definitely. And I think, too, understanding the mythology, too, because Athena in her pure form before um, she... So all of these goddesses are branches of what was once worshipped as the great goddess. So before we had a patriarchal society, we had a matriarchal society where we worshipped the great goddess. Mm -hmm. And Athena was um, part of... Oh, what was her name? There was a goddess that was um, three-pronged. You know whenever you see that symbol of like the circle with the half moon on one side and the half moon mm-hmm. on the other side? That was the symbol for Athena in her true form before the, the Greeks kind of took over and changed her mythology. Mm-hmm. So Athena women do have a depth and an intuition and a capacity for so much wisdom and feminine wisdom once they get over the i'm not like other girls Mm -hmm. syndrome Mm, yeah yeah i personally find this one challenging because i don't know any of these like i'm not around any of these women so sometimes i have a hard time being like do these women even exist but they do yeah (laughs) they do yeah (laughs) yes they are so that's exactly it (laughs) athena was the war goddess she was the strategist so they are in the military and i think the military feeds them yes continues to (laughs) yes give them reasons to have internalized misogyny yes because it works Yes. move up the ladder yes. very, very quickly. Yeah. Like, yes, exactly. And so for those of you listening that represent or or um, if you're listening to this podcast, you are not a pure Athena woman. You are probably <laughs> an Athena mystic or an Athena lover. You've got some other stuff going on. Pure Athena women would not give this podcast the time of day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there are tons of amazing qualities with Athena and I always want to highlight that like she was so fucking wise and um had the ability to literally tell the future like fortune telling she was very prophetic and um she rules over like all crafts and like skills and things like that so having athena activated is a really really powerful important thing and you're probably psychic af but um the the pure athena archetype in her pure expression can be a little bit challenging Mm. yeah um okay so then 
those two virgin goddesses, they're self-focused, but they turn that self-focus outward, right? They're mm-hmm. like, Artemis is chasing freedom, independence, adventure, excitement. Um, and Athena is chasing legacy, purpose, vision, you know, mm-hmm. goals. Vesta is this really cool, I, I love the Vesta archetype, the mystic archetype, because she is self-focused but she's not ambitious she does not care destroy my life yes (laughs) she does not care for the the goals the big shiny things that anything like that vesta is what happens when we take that self-focus and we turn it inwards Mm -hmm. and it becomes more of an inner journey so the mystic vesta represents a woman's desire to connect with spirit to connect with god to connect with art to connect with herself but to to essentially take all that energy and and pull it in Mm -hmm. so vesta women usually (laughs) i told tahiti when we were planning this retreat i was like it's gonna be hard to find our mystic for this retreat because they don't leave their houses (laughs) (laughs) like they are um they're very self-contained. And so Vesta women, because Vesta rules the home and the hearth, actually every time we have a fire in our home, like not an out-of-control raging <laughs> fire, but like a fireplace, mm-hmm. that stems from um, originally in Greek times, we would leave a flame going to invite Vesta in because she was the goddess of the home. She was actually one of the most important goddesses in greek times mm. and even before then actually she oh, when you light a candle is that yes it is oh, yeah that's that's cool. actually why so many witches and stuff in their altars will light candles because it's inviting vesta in mm. um and she really was about protection protection of the home protection of everything so vesta women in a modern sense tend to spend a lot of time taking care of their homes like that's a really Mm -hmm. really important part of of them is like they want their home to feel like a temple like a sacred space Mm -hmm. um so they're usually always kind of like i think of jima jima was a vesta woman Mm -hmm. she was always like puttering she didn't like to go out and do too much she just wanted to stay home putter around the house like play guitar like Mm -hmm. very mystic vesta energy Mm -hmm. and so um Vesta women, um, there's a few ways that that can show up. They can go into a more like celibate life of solitude, like nuns and stuff typically are Vesta women. Mm -hmm. But Vesta women also will tend to um, marry partners that just let them be. Like they don't. That sounds like a dream. (laughs) Yeah. They don't have a lot of expectations for their partners and not in a like, oh, I'll accept anything kind of way, but in a like, you're not my happiness kind of way Mm. you know and they do sometimes tend to lean into more traditional roles but only because they like to be able to to stay home they're not ambitious typically especially a pure vesta woman Mm. um she just wants to have time to be in nature to hang out with herself and to to keep a clean house like Mm. more like content very content and so the high road of Vesta is that she's intuitive, she's spiritual, she's connected to God. These are our old souls. They're um, usually art and creativity and things like that will come from Vesta women because they, like, I personally believe that art is our connection to God and one of the ways that we can, you know, bring that into the world. So they do tend to be creative, I find. 
Um, but they're not the women that are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make millions of dollars and I'm going to have a multi-million dollar empire and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. They're just like, I want to be content. I want to hang out with my pets and I want to, you know, just enjoy my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're very, very interesting mm. women. That's yeah. like a good sign. Yeah. Well, that, so we already went over your two <laughs> yeah. primary archetypes, your Artemis and your Vesta. Yeah, Yes, and so that's why, too, you're so interesting in that you have this side of you that's very introverted and then this side of you that is Extremely very grab life by the <laughs> balls and, like, I'm going to go jump off mountains. Yeah, you know, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say all three of those women are also very connected to the spiritual realm, too. So a lot of people listening to this podcast will resonate with at least one of those three mm -hmm. um, because those three... Uh, goddesses represent different aspects of intuition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay. <clears throat> Any questions about the virgin goddesses? No, not yet. Okay. So then we have the vulnerable goddesses. And these are the goddesses who, um, whose primary focus was others, was their relationship with others, which made them really vulnerable to men and the patriarchy and um, these goddesses, their stories, their mythology have a lot of darkness in them. There's a lot of really icky, ugly things that happen to them um, because they were vulnerable to mm. these other things. So <clears throat> let's start with Hera, the wife or the queen. Um, Hera was Zeus's wife and... Um, I actually love her mythology because she never wanted to marry Zeus in the first place. He kind of tricked her. Um, so it, it helps me to understand her a bit. But Juno or Hera women, mom is a Hera woman. They need to be in relationship. They need to be in monogamous, long-term relationship. They do really well having a partner. And that's one of their top priorities. Without being in a monogamous partnership, they feel a little bit off mm -hmm. just something's off and so here are women represent there, there's the other aspect of it where they are the queen so they're usually natural leaders they're very good at like getting things done knowing what needs to be done because Hera was a queen in her own right before Zeus um and these are like queen bee energies so in some ways it, this can be like the Regina George the you know whatever mm -hmm. women who seek to align themselves romantically with very powerful women or powerful men so that they can be like a power couple mm -hmm. that kind of energy mm -hmm. um and so women with a really strong hera in their um psyche will have this really intense need to partner to be married to be in divine union that'll be a top priority for them mm. um these are like a lot of times the women that you see that are like oh yeah i'm going to university but i'm going to get my missus degree you know like they go to school but it's so that they can align with they can find their zeus align with the power missus degree i've never heard that what what is a missus degree that's like such a common thing What's especially that? back home what that sounds like you know when they go to lady school <laughs> no it's it's the degree that you get just so that you can like have that in your back pocket but you're not going to use it because you're going to be a wife 
<laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So you can bring some value to the table. Like, you know, I could be a psychiatrist. I do have my degree, but uh, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to. It's it, And it's usually, too, because um, hero women are also very picky with their partners. Mm-hmm. They're They're very, like you know, I want to be with, a, you know, someone that's on my level. Mm-hmm. And they do tend to be very, um, these women are powerful in their own mm-hmm. right. Like, they are really, really cool because they have this ability to lead and, and to guide and to um, kind of get shit done, you mm-hmm. know. So they are that, like, queen royal kind of archetype. Beyonce would be another good example mm-hmm. of a, a queen, um at least her what she projects into the public i don't think her real life persona is Mm -hmm. a queen but the image she portrays is the queen Mm -hmm. um and so heroes are the most motivated to be in a relationship well in i shouldn't say that aphrodite women love relationship as well but heroes it's about the commitment Mm -hmm. the marriage the we're building something together, not necessarily the passion or the intimacy or things like that. So sometimes, too, these are the, these are the women that you see that marry for comfort mm-hmm. or marry like hypergamy, right? They marry yeah. up, that kind of thing. Does that make sense? This is also the archetype of the scorned woman. So you know those women that are like, you cheated on me. I'm going to light your house on fire and like all of that crazy stuff. That is Hera territory. Okay. Yeah. So whenever, um, yeah, whenever a woman has a tendency to react that way to being cheated or betrayed or whatever, she usually has a strong Hera in her. Interesting. Yeah. It's, uh making me feel a little less judgy (laughs) yeah oh there's a reason why they are the way they are yes yeah i'm like oh okay this is like a real thing it's not them just not wanting to do more it's just yes yeah well and i think um i have a little bit of hira in me not a a, it's not one of my primaries but Mm -hmm. it's pretty up there in, in some ways and um, the thing that's really interesting about Hera is because in her mythology, she couldn't retaliate towards Zeus for uh, cheating on her because he would make her life hell, essentially. Mm-hmm. So she got her anger out by retaliating on the other women. So this is also sometimes uh, why women with a, a strong Hera archetype will blame the other woman instead mm-hmm. of blaming their husband. That's so interesting. Yeah a big light on that situation like makes sense like never really understood a lot of that behaviors but yeah yeah and that's why i think understanding these archetypes is so powerful because then too you can um be mindful of like oh this is what's happening this goddess is being activated in my psyche i don't have to play out this story if i don't Mm -hmm. want to yeah right and um the three goddesses that have the most um ruling over how someone behaves are Hera, Aphrodite, and I think Demeter is the mm-hmm. third one. I can't remember they're for more sure. impulsive goddesses? Well, they're more, um, they show up more powerfully. So if you have one of those three as your primaries, you have to be really mindful of when that goddess is being activated within you because you will be drawn to do something that you might later be mm-hmm. like, Yes, whereas I, I like to think of it as like those three goddesses. They're very powerful and very vengeful goddesses too. 
those three goddesses like when they're activated in your life they come in they're like this is what we're gonna do we're gonna (laughs) you know and then the other goddesses I like to visualize them as like whispering of like maybe we could do this it's like Mm -hmm. not as like and they're like nah fuck your shit (laughs) we're gonna do this yes um but yes so hero women are very uh motivated to be in partnership with usually someone that they deem to be powerful um but really just like they just desire to be in partnership that's Mm -hmm. important for them um okay so then after that we have demeter slash series which Mm -hmm. is the mother and persephone slash prosepina which is the maiden their stories are deeply intertwined um so much to the point where i find that you can almost find persephone in the birth chart through series because you can't separate their stories because uh series was persephone's mother okay okay mm-hmm. and their mythology is is really linked together do you know the mythology of, of them no okay so persephone was you know demeter's daughter and she was known for like she was just very sweet very like she had that like really light feminine aura about her Mm -hmm. and when she was like coming of age a lot of the other gods wanted to marry her and and make her their wife or their queen or whatever and Demeter and her had a a bit of a codependent relationship they were very tight very connected it was always just the two of them and Demeter was adamantly against Persephone marrying and, and going off um and so the myth is that uh, she was kidnapped by Hades and um, became the queen of the underworld. And Demeter actually stopped allowing crops because she's the goddess of, of like cereal, <laughs> the goddess of wheat and crops and all that stuff. She stopped allowing anything to be um, like the soil to be nourished. So they had no food on earth. And so Zeus intervened eventually after Mm -hmm. everyone was starving to get persephone to come back um but because she had ate the forbidden fruit the pomegranate which is um a euphemism for had sex with hades in some mythology he raped her and in some mythology it was consensual Mm -hmm. um but because she had tasted the pomegranate she i wouldn't say hades is a pomegranate (laughs) i know (laughs) it's it's very mythology is interesting in that way sweet yeah (laughs) yeah um she had to spend at least six months of the year there Mm -hmm. so um she's simultaneously the goddess of spring so when spring comes it's because persephone has returned home to the earth to be with demeter and demeter is like okay fine flowers can grow now i have my daughter back (laughs) oh my god crazy (laughs) yes and then when persephone leaves winter comes because (laughs) demeter is in like great mourning Mm -hmm. um all you bitches gonna freeze (laughs) yeah so she is she actually is the light feminine in her goddess of spring but the dark feminine in her queen of the underworld she's both um so their stories are interlinked but demeter or ceres represents a woman's desire to be a mother and and it's not necessarily the desire to create or like fulfill that potential it's like i want the role of being a mom i want to raise young and so 
Um, these are the women that are like, I'll have a, a child, whether it's with a man or without. These are the women that know from a really young age they want to be a mom. Mm-hmm. It's the very like nurturing energy, right? And so in their high, highest good, highest quality, these women are very responsible. They're very nurturing. They take care of other people. In their lower experience, they can be a bit smothering. They can be a bit self-sacrificing. They can be um, like have a lack of boundaries. And they can be like overbearing, especially mm-hmm. with the people that they believe that they are meant to take care of. Mm-hmm. By self-sacrificing, you mean they just like give too much, like yeah. more than they should, more yeah. like self-abandonment. Yeah, of? and then they get resentful a lot mm. of time. Oh, I've seen that a lot. In life. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm. Um, and these women, if we're gonna keep going with the like what types of partners they tend to be attracted to. Again, I'm, I'm speaking in very heteronormative yeah. ways, but you can take what works and leave what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to, everyone thinks that these are the women that, that marry or end up with Peter Pans and man children. They don't. Mm-hmm. These are the women that end up with men who, who want to, to provide in a way. Mm-hmm. Or they, they are always looking for a partner that's going to be a good father. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily an active father or present father, but um, they're not as concerned usually with what their husbands do as long as their husbands fulfill the role that they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Probably a partner who prioritizes their children just as yes. much as they do. Like a family man type of yeah. energy. They don't don't need all the passion. They don't need all the love. They don't mm-hmm. need all of that kind of stuff. And they will actually put up with a lot of stuff. Like sometimes these are the women that are like, yeah, I know that he like cheats or has affairs, but he's a good dad. So like mm-hmm. we're going to stay together. You know, yeah. it's that kind of energy. Um, not always. Again, not always. But the mother archetype, her whole thing is about wanting to take care of mm-hmm. children. Or if if these women end up not being able to have kids because sometimes that happens right Mm -hmm. they end up putting a lot of their time and energy into their nieces and nephews or Mm -hmm. their work like they'll nurture their work in that way or just other people and then sometimes those are the women that really mother their partners Mm. yeah if they don't have any children to mother oh god (laughs) yeah Um, but she is, the the mother archetype is obviously one of the most powerful, um, of the seven archetypes Mm -hmm. because she represents that capacity to nurture life, you Mm -hmm. know? Okay. Okay. Um, then we have Persephone, which is the daughter. Mm -hmm. And so her story is that like, yeah, she was like this light and feminine, feminine or light, feminine, dark, feminine. She was both. Um, and she can show up like the maiden can show up in a few different ways there can be this like sweetness but there also can be this like rebellious like teenage girl kind of attitude with the maiden the primary qualities of the maiden are that maidens are receptive they're very open Mm -hmm. um, sometimes to the point of being naive being Mm -hmm. a little bit gullible Mm -hmm. Um, they are creative they're very daydreamy in their heads like the vision I always get of the maiden is like she's like off in a field somewhere like picking flowers and like singing to herself like very in her own world Mm -hmm. um and maiden women tend to carry eternally a very youthful energy that brings out a protective instinct in other people because you 
That's yes, that's me. Yeah, everybody uh, takes care of you. <laughs> I know. She's a baby. Gotta yes. love her. Yes. Um, people just meet maidens and they're like, Oh my god, I need to protect you. <laughs> Let me wrap you in bubble wrap. <laughs> yes. Don't touch anything. Yes. That's exactly it. So maiden women, um, tend to be very drawn to like psychology and different things like that because there's a desire to understand because of that underworld component Mm -hmm. there's a desire to understand the underworld and the depths of things and maidens are interesting because in our unevolved form we can be it can be that princess behavior of like um not taking responsibility for anything being very passive waiting for life to happen to us Mm -hmm. very like um yeah just like not taking responsibility for ourselves and sometimes being a victim in that way Mm -hmm. but in the evolved form the maiden has the ability to kind of go through really tough things and come out in a very resilient way so what you'll see with maidens is that maidens are usually people that are um a little bit like dualistic in that they are sweet and light and also have some of this like darkness or this edge under the surface um and maidens because of the the myth of of hades and and his like the the love affair between him and persephone maidens tend to be attracted to bad boys or men that they can reform the the men that are like kind of on the outskirts of society or sometimes just men that are very uh powerful and take care of them very dominant and Mm -hmm. controlling Um, So maidens are the women that are the most prone to ending up in relationships with controlling people. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Because if you think about it, we don't like, I resonate with the the maiden obviously very highly. It's not my highest archetype. Aphrodite is. And I'm so thankful that I have a really strong Aphrodite because I think I would have been fucked otherwise. But I love, I love when a man is like a little bit jealous and controlling and all those Mm -hmm. things because then I don't have to make decisions I get to be passive you take care of me Mm -hmm. like there's some of that energy but um maidens do tend to attract um difficult situations if they're not aware of what's going on Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah I can see that for sure yeah but um I would say like the primary qualities is just very intuitive receptive sweet passive compassionate empathetic those kinds mm-hmm. of things okay any questions about those no okay so then we have um the last goddess which is the alchemical goddess which is aphrodite so she is the only goddess that was able to do both to be independent and self-contained and also have relationships Mm-hmm. with men and with people that were deep and meaningful mm-hmm. so she didn't have to sacrifice her own identity in order to have these relationships um and she was able to find that balance between being receptive being open being passive in the way that the Hera, demeter and persephone women can all be mm-hmm. but also being active and knowing what she wants and being a bit fierce mm-hmm. so aphrodite women are women who want to have a lot of experiences they want to create they're really um concerned with the creative potential within them um and sometimes for aphrodite women that's about having children not necessarily the act of mothering not all aphrodite women are good mothers but Mm -hmm. they love to like 
create children. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I made this myself. <laughs> yes. Really cute. But it's more like that passion, the pleasure, like all the things that go into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very sexual archetype, very sensual, very feminine, very connected to um, the body. Um, and so Aphrodite women tend to be women that are um, free-spirited in the sense that they don't always like they're relationship oriented and love relationships and prioritize relationships but have commitment issues usually usually these are not the women that will just easily settle down with one person for their whole lives um and they're more concerned with the experience of love than they are with like the title or the you know anything like that um aphrodite women tend to be just like very creative they have creative careers they don't like to be told what to do there's a very independent spirit within Mm -hmm. them um as well as a very like sensual energy that they have so these are usually people that need to have a lot of control over their lives but also a lot of connection they kind of need both does that make sense yeah yeah so um what was i gonna say there was something um Aphrodite to me I think is one of the ones that is most important for women to learn because it's where your creative your ability to create anything your ability to create life your ability to be affectionate passionate open all of those different things comes from the Aphrodite energy but Aphrodite energy has been so repressed Mm -hmm. within our society because it is that sensual that like sexy Sexy, yes very connected to your body connected to the senses very romantic Mm -hmm. energy um and very beauty focused you know aphrodite women tend to really prioritize beauty and like more like in a stronger sense not just like oh i passively liking beauty or sexuality or anything like that it seems like more openly expressing sexuality and like unapologetically liking beauty things not just being like oh i want to you know have pretty this or that or whatever yeah it's like prioritizing it yeah and being vocal about it yes whereas like women are expected to be it but not promote or discuss it yeah that's actually a really really good point it's meant to be in the patriarchy a safe we're just supposed to happen to be like that you can't actively work towards that you just are that yes yes whereas aphrodite um, and that's some of the shadow. Aphrodite women can be a bit codependent. They can mm-hmm. be a bit vain. If they don't feel beautiful, if they don't feel desired, that can be when, when some of their like negative qualities mm-hmm. come out. Um, and they sometimes can pri- prioritize like beauty and all of these different things a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, Aphrodite women, I find, we have a really hard time like committing to things because Aphrodite women follow what feels passionate and exciting in the moment. Mm-hmm. They don't have a lot of follow through. They're not super goal oriented in this long term thing. They're like, oh, this feels good right now. So I'm going to do it, even mm-hmm. if it's maybe not the best thing for them or yeah. the best thing that they should do. And so Aphrodite women also get kind of... Um, they're, I think they're they're very misunderstood a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Yeah. They're um, self-focused, but also other-focused. It's a really interesting combo. Mm-hmm. 
That makes sense. Yeah. Is she classified as one of the vulnerable goddesses? She's the alchemical goddess. She's oh, right, the one that's that. the, the two combined. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the woman that's like very in control of her life and very mm-hmm. in control of her sexuality and uses her sensuality and her beauty and her feminine energy as a um, tool. It's something mm-hmm. that she's not afraid of. Whereas none of the other goddesses really understand in their own pure archetype the value of those things except for Hera. Hera was very beautiful and she used her her beauty to manipulate men a lot. <laughs> Magdara. <laughs> yeah. Baby. Yes. But um yeah, and Aphrodite also represents like there is an element of jealousy and vindictiveness and there can mm-hmm. be a cruelty in Aphrodite energy as well. But the thing to know is like you'll know an Aphrodite person when you see them because they're very focused on what feels good and what they want to do moment by moment. And there's not always a lot of follow through. So they can be a little bit flaky. They can be a little bit, you know, all of these different things because they're following what they want to do when they want to do, which is where the independence piece comes mm-hmm. in. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. yeah. So when you say that everybody should learn how <coughs> to be each one of the goddesses, mm-hmm. Is it like a you learn how to do it and then you kind of pick which ones mm-hmm. you resonate with? Or you, because like I couldn't see like a, a hero woman really focusing, like maybe learning how to be more Aphrodite or even more mm-hmm. Artemis, but not actually like trying to make that a life path of theirs. Yes. Being like settled in, I know how to do it and um, how to like use it for me, but not to be focusing on trying to be that. Yes, yeah, so it's not about, like, trying to be anything that you're not. It's just about having the capacity to do different things. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if your top two archetypes are within the virgin goddess archetypes, and then you're sitting there and you're like, oh, but I really want to have close, meaningful relationships. Well, you have to develop another Mm -hmm. goddess, right? You have to develop an Aphrodite or a Hera or the ability to be vulnerable because, um, ironically the strength that the vulnerable goddesses has is their vulnerability, their ability to be open, their Mm -hmm. ability to allow themselves to be changed by people and by experiences. Mm -hmm. And so um, if you are an Athena woman, a mystic woman, a um, Artemis woman, like you have to learn if you want to have fulfilling relationships how to activate some of these other energies Mm -hmm. otherwise you might just be really cold in your relationships Mm -hmm. or really emotionally unavailable okay i can see that right um so the workshop that you're doing on november 19th that's going to be like an annual thing right you're gonna i think so yeah we're gonna see how this goes Mm -hmm. but i could definitely see it being an annual thing because one of the things that i've been sitting with is like there's seven of us right and so each person is mm-hmm. aligned with a different goddess and teaching on that and mm-hmm. i'm gonna do an overview of all seven goddesses but i'm mm-hmm. like we could talk about aphrodite for two days we yeah. could talk about the maiden for two days like there's so much to go into and the like is the goal of the workshop to teach people how to like empower each one of the goddesses yeah or is it more like knowledge based it's both so you get the the knowledge piece of like what are each of the seven goddesses we're going to go in depth to the mythology and how they show up and all of these different Mm -hmm. things and then there's an experiential component so Mm -hmm. um a a different things that align with each goddess so you get to experience what each goddess kind of feels like and i think the goal is like a 
to it's a typology right so there will be people that are like wow I feel so understood like the goal is to help people feel understood Mm -hmm. in learning about their goddess but also to help us understand each other and to give each other space for like oh that's why my best friend does this thing in this way you know because yeah, i could see that even just learning about it now i'm like oh, okay maybe i was just being judgmental <laughs> okay. yes it's just because they're this or they're that yes even like um i think that these can help you just understand yourself and understand other women and then also to like just stop feeling shame about certain things you know I think about even in my life like the maiden lover mix the mix of Aphrodite and Persephone is really interesting because that means that I require really deep experiences Mm -hmm. and I want to experience things really deeply so I will go into things knowing that I'm going to end up totally heartbroken and devastated and that this is probably not the smartest (laughs) thing to do but there's that part of me that craves the experience of it of like yeah I know that this is is not maybe going to be the easiest thing but I'm really excited to to just feel what it experienced. Is that like a toxic trait of it or is there like a lesson that comes in learning with chasing those? I think that there's both I think that it can be this is what I mean when I said like Aphrodite you can't let Aphrodite run your life Mm -hmm. you'll end up with 40 children, 20 baby daddies, four businesses, you know, like you can't let them run your life. But I think because Persephone usually in her higher form is a teacher. She's a mystic. She's an intuitive. She's a counselor. Lots Mm -hmm. of counselors and therapists have really high Persephone. Mm -hmm. Um, I personally believe that those experiences help me grow and they're part of of what my psyche needs. So Mm -hmm. I don't hide from them. And I also try really hard not to um, be ashamed because there's a lot of these stories of like oh if you love yourself you won't do this if you love yourself you won't do this mm-hmm. and I've had to learn to realize and understand within myself that I love myself like I really I love myself a lot but sometimes I'm like yeah I know this is bad for me mm-hmm. and I still kind of want to do it yeah. um, and learning to to decide when and where that that's good and when yeah. it's not it's allowed me to have a lot more understanding of myself and why I make different decisions than a lot of the women around me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty neat. It's a, what, a two-day workshop? Right? Yeah, two-day. It's virtual. It's all online. Are you eventually going to move to a physical one? Maybe, yeah. I think yeah. it would be a really great. If we were mm-hmm. ever going to do something like this, physical I would want it to be somewhere really beautiful mm-hmm. you know I'd want it to be longer probably four or five days yeah. so we'll see but I think that this information is just so needed mm-hmm. you know yeah, understanding yourself it. is and so your important friends and your mom being like oh my mom wasn't being a crazy bitch she <laughs> was just like you know self-sacrificing her entire life so I could be a good person and now I'm being a dick okay? yeah maybe I should be nice Oh, I'm so curious. Like, I personally think that mom is a Hera Demeter yeah, woman. I could see Hera, yeah. And Demeter. And maybe mom's got some Artemis, too. Mm, yeah, I could see that, too. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, too, like, you should resonate with parts of all seven. Yeah. Um, There sh- really shouldn't be any that you're so foreign to that you're like, I don't resonate with that at all. Yeah. But you'll just have one or two that is more dominant in mm. your psyche. Mm-hmm. No, that's really cool. I'm actually looking forward to that. 
Yeah. Okay, really cool. It'll be and fun. Like each one of you guys, right? There's seven of you, yeah. right? For the seven sisters. Yes. And did you guys like assign yourself which ones you identified with most or? Yeah, kind of. So it was like a group thing. So um, uh, Tahiti and I, I knew that I wanted to do either the maiden or the lover, Mm -hmm. right? And then Danica is coming in to teach. um, She's doing some erotic work. So Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's so clearly lover. Mm -hmm. Um, And Danica is a lover uh, mystic. She's uh, got high lover too. So Mm -hmm. it it just kind of worked that way where we were looking at like, what do these women do? Like, for example, the woman that is coming in to uh, teach for series, mm-hmm. um, she's like a doula and she works with moms. So, of course, oh, like, that's, that's her, you know. Cute. So, okay, go through each person, what they're doing. Anyway. Yes. Okay. So, let me uh, pull up the deets. Okay. So, here's a breakdown. I don't know, like, one of the things that I love about this is that we are letting the women kind of choose where they choose to take the archetype and what they mm-hmm. teach. So it's not like we were like, oh, we need someone to teach this. This is what we're getting. It's like, oh, this woman really aligns with this archetype. Mm-hmm. What does she want to teach? What does she want to bring in? That yeah. makes sense? Yeah. So I'm doing the maiden. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what we're going to teach there. But I'm thinking because the, the maiden is so deeply connected to um, intuition and then also like alchemizing painful experiences into something really beautiful i don't know we might do journaling i i'm not totally sure um then we have danica so she is doing venus slash aphrodite which is so cool because danica's name means venus really yes um so she's going to be teaching um just some of her teachings from her erotic training which will be very very perfect for Aphrodite, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, then we have Chloe, who is the mom, the birth doula, all mm-hmm. these different things. Her page is, I'm going to link everyone below mm-hmm. so that we, um, so that you can follow them. Mm-hmm. Um, then Tahiti is going to do the sage, right? Yep. She's going to teach about intuition and like her psychic gifts and all of those different things. Mm-hmm. Um, Whitney... Uh, is the mystic so she literally like in her bio (laughs) says i am a mystic so she has a bunch of different things she has a background in dancing hula she's a yoga teacher and now she's working towards um being a doula but really she's like you know always seeking in that way that mystics do um who do we have left artemis yeah right um, and then we have um, Ulani, who is she's the host of the Bo- Beyond the Reef podcast. She mm-hmm. is a somatic facilitator, and she's just got a lot of different things going on. She mentors women, which makes her a very perfect Artemis archetype, mm-hmm. and it's just very like strong in herself in mm-hmm. that way. So it's gonna be fun. Oh, and Brooklyn, mm-hmm. um, she is doing Hira, so she is a relationship coach and facilitator. So wow, that sounds so perfect. Cool. Oh, yes, and like aligns so much. Yes, it's I so know. Cute. It's gonna I be really, it. really fun. Um, one question I do have: uh, Is there like a male equivalent or a masculine yes, equivalent? Yes, there is. Oh, let me see if I have the book here. Mm. Wait. You put it in my room so that you I could read it. 
sneakily? Is it one of those bedside books where you're like, just if you happen to, you know, oh my god, look at that book, you should totally maybe like open it. What's it called? Nope. Sounds cool though. There is a masculine equivalent mm-hmm. and what about like can men learn and like I don't know, do the same with the feminine archetypes? Like it's Oh yeah. I think it's important for us to have access to all I think to learn, yes, but like they don't want to necessarily like have to learn how to embody those because there is a masculine equivalent. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what that book is. I'll have to order it again. Um, yeah. Like, you can't, I think it's more like, are you a masculine being or are you a feminine being? Why are you mad at me right now? Because you almost flipped the couch. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it comes down to whichever ones you resonate with more. Mm-hmm. But there are masculine equivalents. That's cool. Are there seven as well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, they date and marry each other. So you oh, get to see, like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I love it. Which ones are Ooh, connected? One that'd be cool if you did, like, both. I know. That yeah. would be so fun. And if it was in person, too. Oh, my God. That would be so cute. Yeah. It would be very fun. Let's I make think. a dating show based on Oh, my God. It. I want to. Okay. If anyone listening to the podcast Producers. is a producer or anything, I would love to do something like that yeah you could get 14 of each gender (laughs) and like you know that'd be so fun actually there's two of each like two Mm -hmm. artemis two athena and then same and see if they end up aligning with each other oh that would be so cool that'd be more like an experiment but it'd be so fun damn that's a great idea i know we should X this out of the podcast so no one steals it. Because yeah, if I ever steal this on Netflix, I'm going to be so yeah. mad. I'm going to be a raging. This is my intellectual property, okay? I thought yeah. about it in my own brain. Yeah. Back off, Netflix. Um, actually, are podcasts protected in that way? I have no idea. We Well, you're the brains in this business. Okay, you should well, know. Okay, well, I have so many things to think about. <laughs> Whether yeah. Netflix can steal my ideas has not yes. crossed my agenda. Wait, speaking on this, can you see now why I needed to bring you in? yeah because if i just like run a business on my own as a maiden i know you already try to start lover five different ones i know (laughs) and i'm just like yeah this this might crash and burn and it might not do well but it sounds fun (laughs) and you're like no this is stupid we're not doing that "Mm." (laughs) you know fine (laughs) literally so i need your like your gifts and abilities i also feel though that you're very high on aphrodite energy too yeah i could see that too yeah and i think when we did there was a a a quiz i think you were pretty high in aphrodite Mm -hmm. yeah energy but i'm just all of them yeah i'm just everyone what's the one that you resonate with the least um probably the hero the hero one yeah yeah I resonate with the um, Athena or the series woman oh, the least. I mean, maybe Athena, too. Which is ironic because you were in the military. Yeah, but it wasn't, like, coming from the It was your place. Artemis that, that had you want to go yeah. in the military. It wasn't the seeking power. It was seeking excitement. Yeah, I, guess yes. I think Athena, too. 
never really <clears throat> I never cared for men or their opinions. So <laughs> that's so can't art. say that has driven my you know Yeah. That's such an artemis. I'm thing more to like say. Uh, my opinion is the one that's the most important. Therefore I have to impress myself. That's so if I happen funny. to impress the patriarchy in the meantime, that's cool, but can Oops. I impress myself? That's harder. That's so funny. And as an Aphrodite woman woman I'm always like, Well, I don't really care about his opinion, but does he think I'm beautiful? <laughs> I don't care what he thinks, but like, am I hot? I don't know. Yeah. I don't care if you think I'm like good at what I do. Just am I hot? <laughs> Pretty much. Smash yes. or pass. I remember actually. This is so funny. Um, being in. Why were they teaching us this so young? We were in like grade four, and they showed us this. It was like in a self-esteem building workshop that they made all of us do. Only the girls, of course apparently boys are just born with inborn self-esteem um and they showed this young girl and they asked her would you rather be beautiful or smart and she was like oh i'd rather be smart and then the teacher was like see this is like you know like kind of praising that and i was sitting there like (laughs) i mean i want to be both but if i had to choose i'd probably want to be beautiful and sitting there all the girls are like yeah i'd rather be smart and i'm just sitting there like don't ask me what you think, because I will lie. <laughs> you know? Like, how ugly am I going to be if I'm smart? Okay? Literally, I was like, I don't know if I want to be smart and ugly. Like, I want to be smart and beautiful. Why can't I be both? Mm-hmm. Um, but that was probably my first experience of realizing, like, oh, oh, I'm I, I'm a little bit different. And then I, I remember feeling a bit of shame about that, of like, oh, I'm stupid because I want to be pretty. <laughs> You know, my answer would be like, that's a really stupid question. Why would you even bother? Like, why? I'm not even going to pick one. I'm not even going to entertain your stupid example. Like, cause that yes. would never happen. So, yes. As if you have to choose. Right. Yeah. So dumb. Um, but yeah, I think series actually is, you know, interesting for me because I have lived the series life. I've, I know how to do that archetype very mm-hmm. well. And that archetype does come out in me when I really care about someone. Mm-hmm. But it's you know I'm not that connected to her naturally it's something that I think is like a trauma response if you see series coming out in my personality I am unwell I am not okay <laughs> yeah you should call someone yeah I'm, I'm not doing good um but but yeah I definitely see a lot of Aphrodite in you as well um because I'm so sexy yeah you little whore Oh, you said it publicly. Um, uh, I'm going to tell mom. Yeah, you should. She's going to slash the tires, burn your house down. <laughs> no, she won't. I'm not her <laughs> husband. Um, what was I going to say? But you're definitely Artemis. Like, I remember first learning about all of these, and I was like, oh, yeah, Chantal is 100% hands down Artemis. So Artemis. It hurts. Agree. <laughs> okay. Do you have any questions? Concerns, thoughts, ideas? I make some noodles. I would love some noodles. I'm sort of sharing. You are. Oh. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of our community. If you want to help us to grow, you can share this episode on your Instagram, share it with your friends. If you do that and you tag us so I can see it, I would love it. I'd just be so, I get so happy every time I hear about how the podcast is impacting you. Really, that's the only thing that keeps me going and keeps me creating 
with the podcast because it is so much work sometimes, but I just love hearing from you. And if there's any guests that you want me to have on the podcast, any topics you want me to cover, just reach out to me, send me a DM and we will add it into the content list. Hope you guys have a great week. Bye everyone.